This episode of the Weekly Standard Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses. The Great Courses brings the world's greatest professors to your fingertips with more than 500 courses on science, history, philosophy, fine arts, better living, and more. The Great Courses are available on digital download and streaming or DVD and CD. Best of all, you can listen to or watch The Great Courses at your own pace without the pressure of homework or exams. And now, for a limited time only, The Great Courses is giving our listeners an offer of up to 80% off the original price of selected courses, including Latin 101, Learning a Classic Language. For this limited time 80% offer, go to thegreatcourses.com slash WS to find out more. That's thegreatcourses.com slash WS. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Mr. and Mrs. North America and all the ships at sea. This is Philip Terzian, literary editor of the Weekly Standard in Washington, and I'm here uh, for my weekly podcast on the books and arts section of the Weekly Standard, and this week we're talking about the March 23rd issue, and the lead uh, review this week is uh, <clears throat> excuse me, a review by Harvey Clare, the distinguished historian at Emory, authority on the Cold War and, and communism, um, of a book called Dalton Trumbo, Blacklisted Hollywood Radical by Larry C. Player and Christopher Trumbo. Christopher Trumbo, as you might have guessed, is the son of Dalton Trumbo. And Dalton Trumbo, a name which perhaps resonated more in years past than at the present moment, was one that was a Hollywood um, uh, screenwriter, actually a very successful one, uh, and one of the so-called Hollywood Ten, the ten Hollywood screenwriters who... Um, uh, would not testify about what they knew about uh, the activities of the Communist Party in Hollywood in the 1940s and were found guilty of um, contempt of Congress as a consequence. They were had been asked to testify before Congress about this and um, in some cases uh, suffered um, a, a few years of blacklisting in Hollywood before um, approximately resuming their careers and Ending them as often as the case under those circumstances, full of honors and uh, many decades of standing ovations and honorary degrees and whatnot. I speak with a slight cynicism, uh, especially after reading Harvey Clare's fine piece, because it makes clear that um, the, the mythology of the Hollywood Ten, of course, has always been overdone in the career of Dalton Trumbo, who who was a communist and and in fact, in some ways. Um, knew better about these things, um, but also to some degree, um, uh, one might say in a paradoxical sense that his career, such as it is, prospered to some degree because of his problems with the House on American Activities Committee. Um, anyway, it's an interesting piece. It, it nicely retells the, the basic facts of the, of the situation and puts it in perspective as well in the early Cold War and the um, <clears throat> United States of the late uh, 1940s and early 50s. I might add, by the way, before the phrase the McCarthy era um, falls on anybody's ears, all of this occurred, by the way, um, when Harry Truman was president and Joseph McCarthy hadn't even been elected to the Senate yet. So um, 
uh, as I say, Harvey Clare um, puts it all in an interesting and especially readable and certainly eye-opening perspective. I can't uh, recommend it highly enough. That is followed by a review by Andrew Butero of a book entitled Ideas with Consequences, The Federalist Society and the Conservative Counter-Revolution by Amanda Hollis Brusky from Oxford University Press. Um, the Federalist Society, as undoubtedly many of you know, is an um, organization founded about 30 years ago, I guess, um, by lawyers and law professors and others. Um, essentially, it's a, a legal uh, organization, but for lawyers with a, with a um, politically conservative bent. And it has since become very popular, um, uh, ubiquitous on, uh, on uh, law school campuses and elsewhere, and to some degree influential. And of course, with that has come a kind of, um, one might say, a, a certain notoriety or even a conspiracy theory bait that um, you always hear when a Republican president appoints uh, uh, someone to the U.S. Supreme Court or the Federal Court of Appeals. It often transpires that uh, they're members of the Federalist Society, and this is usually invoked in the press in tones comparable to mentioning that they're Freemasons or uh, belong to some secret society where who knows what kind of uh, terrible rituals take place. Uh, there's no question that the Federalist Society has grown over the past few decades, uh, perhaps to some degree in reaction to the organizations that um, already served lawyers and members of the bar. Um, but the author of the book clearly is not a particularly, um, uh, uh, not an admirer of the Federalist Society or its members, but tries hard, uh, sometimes with success, sometimes not, to be fair, and Andrew Butero sorts his, all this out in an interesting way. I suspect you learn more about what the Federalist Society is and what it means by reading his review than reading the book, but that's just me. That is followed by a splendid essay by Thomas Jeffers, uh, Jeffers um, who is an English professor at Marquette, on the English uh, literary critic F.R. Levis. Um, it's hard to, to describe... Uh, from our perspective right now, what F.R. Levis meant to uh, the world of English studies and literary criticism in the mid-20th century. But I would say that from, I guess, the late 1930s to sometime in the 1960s, the name of F.R. Levis, uh, who taught at Cambridge and edited his own magazine, which was called Scrutiny, was immensely influent influential and I, I would su suspect still is. And um, his, his probably his best-known book is entitled The Great Tradition, which was published in the late 1940s, um, where he talks about um, English novelists of the 19th century. And um, this is a splendid essay. It's, it's actually a review of two books about um, uh, Levis. Uh, one is called English as a Vocation, The Scrutiny Movement by Christopher... Hillard from Oxford, and the other is called Memoirs of a Levisite, The Decline and Fall of Cambridge English by David Ellis from Liverpool University Press. The title, I think, tells you all you need to know, the fact that people were called 
Levisites um, suggests, and it is true that uh, Levis himself held very strong opinions. He had very devoted acolytes uh, sprinkled throughout academia, largely in England, but also in America as well. Um, and it all makes for wonderful <laughs> reading about um, sort of the intellectual um, fistfights and snowball exchanges of of that era, um, and it's 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 written with a, a certain liveliness, and you don't even have to know very much about the Victorian fiction that Levis specialized in to enjoy the way it's all recounted by Thomas Jeffers. William Mackenzie, who's a former uh, newspaper man, but is now editorial director of the George W. Bush Institute in Texas. Um, has reviewed Richard Brookheiser's latest book, Richard Brookheiser, of course, being the National Review writer who has carved out a sort of second career writing um, uh, uh, popular volumes on the, f the founding fathers and their era. And his current book is called Founder's Son, A Life of Abraham Lincoln, moving a little bit chronologically beyond his usual subject matter. Um, the book is from Basic Books, and it... Its thesis is a simple one, um, which Brookheiser traces, which is to say that um, Lincoln, who was, of course, entirely, almost entirely self-educated, um, immersed himself in his youth and young manhood in the writings of the of the founders. Um, the founders, obviously, being anyone from James Ma uh, James Madison to Fisher Ames to whoever else. Um, um, was writing in the in the revolutionary uh, Hamilton um, uh, and others, um, and the influence that their thinking and writing had on Lincoln was was profound, and that is, in words of one syllable, exactly the point of Brookheiser's book. So, if you want to learn a little bit something about the connection between what the fa founders said and what Lincoln thought, um, this is the piece for you. That is followed by a, a review of a book entitled Why Acting Matters by David Thompson from Yale University Press. And I asked Jonathan Leaf, who's a playwright in New York, to explain um, what it means, which is to say, if you're a, I thought a playwright of all people would have a certain appreciation of the extent to which uh, the material of the theater, um, both stage and cinema, is dependent on the 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 craft and skills of those who play the parts and he makes an interesting argument and an interesting case that acting um it isn't just reading the lines that some writer has written it's it's a it's a co-equal part of the process and it does matter um in in um, in aesthetic uh, and artistic terms uh john Pothoritz, um our movie critic doesn't talk about a specific film uh, this week, but he talks about um, the, the what one might say the existential crisis in in movies, which is to say that the economic model um, for uh, uh, planning, producing, and marketing movies is in a kind of crisis as people move further and further away from stirring themselves from their house to actually going to a theater and buying popcorn and sitting and watching a, an actual movie, as opposed to the many and sundry ways you can see film uh, 
um, in the comfort of your own home or on your cell phone or whatever whatever uh, early 21st century uh, process you use. So it's an interesting uh, question. The, the essay is entitled Doomsday Machine, subhead, movie going heads for the exit. Um, John is a little bit pessimistic about the future of movie going, um, but as always, he lays out the circumstances, makes um, some very pertinent observations, and gives us all something to think about even if we have nothing whatsoever to do with the movie business. Or, like me, uh, don't stir themselves all that often to go to the Cineplex, but do occasionally. Anyway, that is the Books and Arts section for the issue of the Weekly Standard for March 23rd. I thank you very much for joining me for these few moments, and I look forward to talking to you next week.